Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I am the founder of MBA Schooled and your host of the MBA Insider Podcast. And I'm excited today because I have Caroline Diarte Edwards, a director and co-founder of Fortuna Admissions. Now, Caroline is a very seasoned uh, person in the MBA admission space. Um, she's advised candidates from around the world who've applying to top MBA programs, uh, such as Wharton and HBS and Stanford GSB and many other phenomenal ones. Um, and she's also spent time um, as an admissions director as well. And with the uniqueness of this year of the state of the world, but which is obviously impacting MBA admissions, I'm excited to have Caroline here with me to talk through some of what she is seeing. And so let's just dive in. So first off, Caroline, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate all of the thought leadership you put out there, both in terms of on the Fortuna website and Poets and Quants and many other places. Mm -hmm. But before we dive in, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background? Sure. My pleasure, Al. Um, so, so my background is... Um, well, I'll start from the beginning. I did my undergraduate at Cambridge in the UK. So as you can probably hear from my accent, I, I'm British. And um, then I worked as a management consultant for six years before going off to business school. So I was based in London and then Paris and, and um, had studied languages at university. And so was very interested in having an international career and um, was very attracted to INSEAD given the international diversity of the student body and, and how students from INSEAD graduate and go and work all over the world. Um, so, so 2002, I applied to INSEAD and um, started on the Singapore campus. So I spent most of the year on the Singapore campus because I'd been working in Paris, so going down the road to Fontainebleau wasn't quite as exciting as going to the other side of the world. Um, so I had an amazing experience at INSEAD and um, when I graduated, I went to work for the International Finance Corporation, which is part of the World Bank Group. And I was based in Jakarta in Indonesia for a couple of years. And then um, I was contacted by the school for a new position that they created. And um, so I ended up going back to INSEAD um, to head up um, a, a new team that they created, bringing together admissions, marketing and financial aid. So I was head of um, the, uh, basically everything to do with bringing people into the program for the full-time MBA. Um, and I worked at INSEAD for seven years and, and had a phenomenal experience. Um, not quite as much work, fun working at the school as it is being a student, I have to say. It's a, it's a, I mean, the student experience there is, is, is wonderful and it's just such an incredible community. Um, but, uh, you know, I was thrilled to have the opportunity to contribute to the, to the school um, as admissions director and then um, ended up leaving the school in 2012 um, to do something entrepreneurial and I set up Fortuna Admissions um, with two partners so Matt Simmons um, who's a serial entrepreneur in business education and Judith Adara who had been head of admissions at Wharton and so um, over the years we've built up a team of people who 
have worked in admissions um, at the top schools. So both um, international schools like INSEAD, London Business School and so on, as well as the top US schools. Um, so we have um, you know, been very fortunate in bringing together a fabulous team of people who are now all over the world and work with our clients who are likewise all over the world and, and applying to the top schools. Thank you for that background. And one of the things that I appreciate about the background that you have, it is that it is incredibly diverse in terms of certainly experiencing it yourself from going through business school, certainly working in industry as a management consultant, mm. certainly working as in admissions and in the role that you had in INSEAD, and then certainly now as being an admissions consultant. And I think having those diverse perspectives probably adds a lot of um, expertise uh, in terms of the advice you give to all of the applicants that you work with. And, you know, on that notion, you've yeah. worked with hundreds of, of applicants to help them navigate the application process. And I would love to know from your perspective of all that, from what you've learned, what are some of the common challenges that you see uh, prospective applicants face as you, as they go through this process? Yeah. So lo lots of different things. I would say um, one of the challenges and perhaps one of the mistakes that candidates often make is sort of not planning things sufficiently far in advance because it can take a long time to do everything that you need to do to, to actually get to business school. Um, so, you know, there's, there's the GMAT or the GRE. Um, some people, you know, it, take, it can take quite some time um, to be well prepared for that. And often people have to take it more than once, right? You might not want to, but you might not get your best score the first time round. So, so that can take more time than people anticipate. And then working on the applications takes some time. And, um, uh, you know, I would say if you're targeting more than one school, it's good to start at least three or four months in advance um, to work on your applications. Um, and with the very top schools, you know, especially in the US, it's better to apply earlier in the season rather than later. So all of that has an impact on the timing. Um, so, you know, I would certainly say uh, those who, who start to think about this um, earlier rather than later typically do better in the process. Um, and then, you know, there's just a lot of different elements in, in a lot of hoops to jump through in the admissions process. In one one area where I think sometimes candidates fall down, and I've seen that, um, you know, both as admissions director and reading the applications where, um, you know, the, the, the candidate had been let down in this dimension and, and also working with clients um, is that sometimes they don't work effectively with their recommenders. Um, and uh, it may be a poor choice of recommender. It may be that they haven't briefed their recommender on what is expected. Uh, you know, if you work at, for example, if you're a McKinsey consultant and you're asking a partner for recommendation, um, they know what is expected, right? They've probably written hundreds of recommendations for, for candidates applying to business school. Um, but if you have a, you know, a more unusual profile, you may be, maybe your boss doesn't know what is, what business school is about and what the, what the schools are looking to hear. And so um, that's something that I saw both as a division director and seeing, unfortunately, applications that were really let down by weak, uh, weak recommendations. And then also with clients who, um, you know, don't necessarily realize up front the importance of mobilizing recommenders early in the process and, and, and as well as figuring out, you know, the, the best choice of recommender. And that's something that we, we coach our 
clients on and we like to start, you know, right at the beginning of the process. Thank you for, for sharing that and for walking us through that. And even as I kind of think about some of the articles that you've that you've seen you written, it really mirrors some of the topics that you brought up. And I partially presume part of the reason why you've written those articles is because you have worked through those challenges many on many occasions with yes. applicants in the past, which is why you're bringing them to light and elevating them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really a shame as, um, as an admissions director to have to reject people who, where you can see, you know, fundamentally, they are a good candidate and they have the raw material, they have the right profile, but they just haven't understood the process and perhaps they have, um, or they just haven't worked effectively with their recommenders and, and their, their candidacy gets torpedoed because of that. And so that's also, you know, that was also one of my key motivations for, for starting Fortuna Admissions and, and doing this type of work is just to, you know, demystify the process for candidates and make sure that they, are able to really put the best foot forward in the, in the process and, and, um, and, you know, and uh, get it right first time rather than having the disappointment of applying and, and getting rejected and then having to figure out what went wrong and, and trying all over again. Certainly. And as we, you know, we talk about the admissions process and the application process. I mean, you've, you've explained some of the key elements of that so far, right? But um, I would love to maybe hear from you from your experience, um, what aspects of the process should applicants be spending the majority of the time fully acknowledging that every candidate is going to be different, but just, you know, in general, some broad strokes, you know, where you should, where you kind of advise candidates to prioritize where they spend, you know, that time that they have. Yes. So, so I think the areas where candidates sometimes don't invest enough time, um, uh, for example, in researching the school. So sometimes candidates will jump um, to a conclusion very quickly about which schools they want to apply to and where they think they are the best fit and where they should go. And that may be based on rankings. It may be based on where their colleagues went to business school. It may be based on, um, you know, just the reputation that they've heard about the schools, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a deep understanding of the, um, you know, the nuances of how the schools are different and what they'll get out of different programs. Um, and, you know, what, what I've seen is that the candidates who really invest a lot of time and effort in getting to know the schools and understanding, um, you know, the, what is special about a specific school community, um, what is unique about the program, what they can get out of a specific program versus other programs, those candidates um, enter the application process with a much higher level of motivation and um, an understanding of what they bring to the school. And that shines through in their written applications, but it also is very important at the interview stage. And, and that um, becomes very apparent at, at the interview stage if they are someone who's applied because, um, you know, it's a very carefully considered decision um, and they've done their due diligence versus someone who is applying because it's a top school and that that's where they think that they should go. Um, so, so I think, you know, that is important to do. And of course there are challenges in doing that kind of research these days because, you know, in the past they would have said it, it, it's all possible, go and visit the campus, hop on a plane and go to INSEAD or, um, you know, drive up to Boston if you're, if you're looking at Harvard, et cetera. And obviously those things aren't as easy as they were. Um, 
but there are other ways of, of doing that research. So I think, you know, that's, that's very important and it takes time. Um, you know, it's an investment of time and effort, um, probably over several months. So that's something that's good to start earlier rather than later. Um, and then uh, time and effort. I mean, other things that get neglected in the process, I would say, um, when candidates start working on the written applications, they often focus in on the essays and the essays are super important. And that's, you know, a really critical component of telling your story and they're quite intimidating. And so, you know, it's normal that they would want to spend a lot of energy, um, time and effort on those essays. But what I've seen candidates sometimes do is, um, you know, spend months and months iterating through the essays and then there's the application form, which they'll dash off the night before the application deadline. And, um, and, and that's when errors creep in. And, and some of the schools have uh, almost, you know, they have questions in the application form that are almost like mini essays. And so it's important not to neglect those. Uh, so, so I think, you know, that application form, it looks quite tedious and a lot of it is just capturing data and, and it's not difficult to do, but, um, you know, it's surprising the number of candidates who, who leave that to the last minute. And as admissions director, you know, I would sometimes see some quite basic errors uh, that, that just, you know, it, it looks a bit sloppy. And it's a shame when you've probably invested a lot of time and effort in the process overall to just let yourself down like that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that I think that brings up a, a number of key like points. And I think but one of the things I'm hearing, particularly as someone who's been on the other side of this and, and read applications, because of your experience, you can spot pretty quickly in a profile or an applicant of who may have done the research and due diligence and, and who ha- may have not. And yes. so I think it speaks to the criticality of, of making sure you do that and investing mm. the time in it, because as you said, it, it, shows, it, it's, it shows up and it's very clear and it's very apparent. And so yes. I think, yeah. Great. Um, I, I, so that, that was definitely something that stuck out to me. Um, so let's talk about this because you mentioned something that um, uh, I, uh, you hit on, and I think it's really true. In years past, you would drive down to Boston to go check out Harvard. Um, obviously, that's not a, a thing we would really do this year. And certainly with yeah. this MBA application process, things are going to be a little bit different as a result of the world that we live in, just how it's different for in many other aspects of our lives. Um, and so there's, there's definitely some differences that are happening with the MBA application process. That said, um, there also might be some things that are still going to be the same, right, in mm. terms of what we have to do in order to be successful in the process. Mm. Could you maybe talk a little bit about, at least from what you've seen, you know, so far, fully acknowledging that this is an evolving space, you know, what is yes. different and, and what perhaps um, isn't so, so different and is still important um, yes. Process. Yeah, sure. So, so certainly, you know, the uh, lack of on-campus events is, is a big change and students not being able to visit campus. So I would say, um, you know, just check out the, the online events that the schools are running. And, and um, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, online presentations, networking events, et cetera, that, that you can sign up for. So definitely take advantage of that um, because that's a great opportunity to, to, hear directly from members of the community and, 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 and learn more about the experience. Um, so, so those are, are wonderful opportunities. Um, and also, that, you know, there's a lot of networking that you can do online. Um, I would encourage candidates to try to speak to as many people as possible who've been to a school. 
um, whether they're alumni or current students, um, often you'd be surprised at how, you know, you can reach out to someone who you don't have any connection with, but you ask, maybe you have something in common. You know, it's great if you can identify someone who has um, perhaps some commonality in, in their career track record, or perhaps they're working at a company that you would be really interested in working at post-MBA. Um, so explain um, your interest in the school, learning a little bit more about them and ask them for five or 10 minutes of their time to see if you can set up a call and chat with them and hear about their experience. So um, all of those conversations are very useful and um, it's good to have multiple conversations because you'll hear very different perspectives from different people. And, you know, alumni are very happy to talk about themselves generally. So, you know, if you show interest in their experience and their path, most people, I think, um, you know, if they can, if they have the time, they will be very happy to share that with you. Uh, so, so that's one thing that you can do um, to, to learn about the school and, um, you know, not shortchange yourself in that research process, because there is a temptation if you can't do all of the usual events that you might have been out, able to otherwise attend to just um, you know, sort of skip some of that research. So try not to, to cut out that important foundational work. And then what else? I mean, so, so the applications, you know, largely are unchanged. In fact, you know, very few changes in the, in the essays and the, the application format. I think schools felt a bit overwhelmed with um, all the changes that they've had to deal with this year. So, you know, they weren't going to sort of shake up the, application, the, the essays this year because they had, they had quite enough change to deal with. So they largely kept, um, m most of the essays have remained um, the same as last year. Um, they're, they're, some schools are being more flexible on the testing requirements because a lot of candidates have had challenges with with um, with getting testing dates and, and so on. Um, so that's certainly been been an issue um, this year. And then, of course, you know, face to face interviews are largely not going to happen this year. So uh, as far as I know, um, you know, the schools that I've been in touch with, are, they're planning to do fully online interviews um, in this season. So that's quite different from um, the, you know, the experience that candidates would have had 12 months ago. So uh, that's something to prepare for. Obviously, it's different to meet someone online versus face-to-face. -face. Um, so, you know, I would encourage candidates just to prepare for that. And if they do get to interview stage, you know, do do some mock interviews, try and sort of replicate the experience that you're going to have um, with, with the online interview so that you feel comfortable in that setting and, um, that you, uh, you know, you, you're, you're well prepared and well rehearsed. Yeah. Thank you for, for all of that. And, you know, particularly I think about the point you made about virtual interviews, right. And certainly mm -hmm. anyone who has been looking for a job recently has come to appreciate, um, having to do virtual interviews. Cause that's pretty much what the standard is, at least for the time. Yes. being. And so if you are, if you are an MBA student, or sorry, an MBA applicant, uh, definitely brush up on that virtual interviewing etiquette and learning how to do that. I think it will serve you well because it, to your point, it looks like that's what it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Yes. Um, and I do, and, and to your point, um, and, and something we were previously just mentioning and talking about, um, it looks like the while the application will stay the same, um, you know, some schools have had different policies for how they are handling uh, testing and, and mm. the like. And so I think one of the things that I've encouraged people to do is just to be well informed about what schools are, are kind of doing what and how they've responded and just making sure whatever schools you end up applying to their, their policies kind of 
um, fit your needs, right? And that, um, or at least for right for for this year, right? Because who knows what it'll be it'll be in the future. Uh, but for at least right now, just being able to stay in the loop with any, uh, you know, if any changes do happen, just as, you know, all of this kind of evolves as, um, as we figure out how to deal with it. Um, and then I think the other thing, um, just in terms of just talking with some admissions directors, but also some student organizations that tend to do admissions events, um, there certainly are, there definitely are working on things to try to mm -hmm. find ways, because they want to talk to all of, all of you yeah. as well. Um, they yeah. very much have a vested interest in, in getting out and getting in front of you. And so there will definitely be some really great uh, uh, opportunities of, of things they maybe had done previously that they're doing more of. But I also am interested and excited to see um, perhaps some potential new new opportunities that might come about just because, you know, th they understand now that they will not be, you know, doing a roadshow across the yeah. United States or across the world to go engage with you in person, but perhaps they will be doing it in a different way. And so Op yeah. optimistic about what that could look like but but i do think i do think they are they are starting to think through that and how they might be able to do that do that virtually yeah i know i think there are some upsides as you said in that it potentially gives access to events to yes. a lot more candidates right yes. you know if you're not in a big city like london or new york and mm -hmm. you don't have the schools trundling through on a regular basis to present um to to an audience there then in the past, you know, it was it could be a bit of a disadvantage. Um, so now it's leveled the playing field somewhat, um, and everyone is learning about the you know the the potential of doing a lot lot of things online that they wouldn't have tried otherwise. Sure. So so it's actually sort of as you say, sparking some innovation that actually could be very positive. Agreed. So one of the articles that you recently wrote about was about how to research. MBA programs, you know, particularly, you know, right now, just given the constraints. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, I think the article gave some great tips and we'll be certain to link them, but I'm just curious, what are the types of things when you're doing this research that maybe you should be looking for? Or what, what information should you be trying to get that if you are able to get that, you know, it'll help move you forward or it'll help you be more insightful or help you kind of um, uh, identify of, oh, this could be a great fit or, oh, maybe, maybe something else could be a better fit. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I think uh, one important step is, is reflection and thinking about, you know, where you are in your career, um, what are your strengths and weaknesses, what do you want to get out of the MBA program, and then how do you see your career evolving post-MBA? Um, because it's, most people going to business school are looking for some sort of change in their career. And um, a lot of people aren't very clear about what that change is. And that's fine because a lot of people will go to business school and, you know, they'll be exposed to a lot of different things and they'll be inspired to follow a path that they might not have otherwise thought about. So um, career visions do often change um, during that time at business school. But I still think it's very helpful for candidates to spend some time on that reflection up front because the better sense you have of, um, understanding where you stand in your career, um, the skills that you've gained and the skills that you need to develop in order to achieve what you want to achieve in the long term, the better sense you'll have of what you want to get out of the MBA program. Um, and so identifying those um, development needs and learning opportunities for you will help give you some really useful context to then look at the differences between the MBA programs and decide, you know, which community is right for you. Um, uh, you know, where do you want to be geographically? Because depending on where you go to business school, you'll have a different um, geographic base in your network. 
Um, what's your sectoral focus? And, and spend some time scrutinizing um, you know, the, the composition of the alumni network. And is this a school that typically feeds into a sector that you're interested in working in? Because that will mean that you've got a great network of alumni who you can tap into for your job search and then for your career um, later on. Um, so I would say, you know, first of all, start with that self-reflection sort of understanding where you stand right now and what it is that you want to do in the, in the short term and as well as the longer term. Um, and then th there's a lot of information out there and almost, you know, too much information, right? There's just this glut of <laughs> information about the world of business schools out there on, on, on the internet. And it can be hard to navigate through that. Um, and that's very different from the way the world was, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. So I would say um, start with the business schools themselves, right? So, so spend some time. They've got tremendous resources that they've made available on the websites um, as well as on, you know, their social media channels and, and you know, student videos and, and all of that. So that's definitely worth um, delving into because that'll give you a good sense of what is specific about the different business schools and, and give you a stronger sense of, um, the, your feel for the community and whether that's a good community fit for you. Um, and also, you know, the schools do make quite a bit of data available. So you can analyze, um, you know, the career, the career statistics and, and where the graduates are being placed and um, which companies they're going to work for, how much money are they earning? You know, where are they going geographically? Um, that's all great research to do as well to, to understand, um, you know, given your career goals, um, does it make sense to go to a particular school or, you know, which school is best suited to you? Um, so, so all of that um, data that they make available, um, it's definitely worth spending some time um, wading through, through that. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, to me, gut feel is also very important. And, uh, you know, in the past, I would have said, you know, go to the school and just soak up the atmosphere and, and get a feel for whether that is the right environment for you. And obviously, that's not possible for the time being. Hopefully, it will be in the not too distant future. Um, but in the absence of that, you know, all of those conversations that we talked about, you know, um, attending those presentations um, with the school, or as you said, you know the student the students that are that are looking to reach out to to candidates. Um, networking with people who, um, you know, having some one-on-one -on -one conversations with people who are at the school or who graduated from the school. Um, over uh, with multiple conversations, you'll start to build up this gut feel of mm -hmm. where you know which community really resonates with you. Yeah. And, and um, where can you, you know, which, which community do you really identify with the most? And, and I think that gut feel is, is very important as well as, you know, making your decision based on all the hard data of careers and, and, and so on. Yeah. And I, the way that I like to think about it is that um, the, the, the gut feel is, in, is informed by the hard data, right? You know, so yeah. once you've done the research and once you've looked at the data, and you've done your due diligence, like yes, at some like you at some point the, the gut feel will take over, but uh, they can work in in kind of connection with each other because uh, both are both are both are important. Right? Yes, they are. They are, and you you need both absolutely. Well, great, um, Caroline. So I know that obviously you work with lots of uh, applicants um, with Fortuna, and I'm, as the season has kind of kicked off already, I'm just curious. 
um, you know, what have you seen so far or, or how is, how is it going? Or, um, yeah, just give us a little insight into what, what the past couple of weeks have been like. Yeah. So it's certainly been a very interesting year. <laughs> um, so it's, so, so MBA admissions is counter cyclical for full-time programs. And so when the lockdown started and, um, you know, a lot of economies started to enter a more difficult period, there was a, a clearly, you know, a correlation in, in interest in going to business school. So there's been a surge in, in application volume. A lot of the schools had extended deadlines for the final rounds for the classes that are starting now. And so a lot more people were applying then. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be a very, very competitive year. Um, so we see, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of people, um, working on their applications, uh, definitely higher volumes of, of applications. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and what the schools end up reporting on application volume. But, you know, I think there's for sure, there's going to be double digit application growth at, at, um, most of the top schools. So um, it's a somewhat intimidating context for applicants because, you know, as if it wasn't already competitive enough to get into the top schools, it's kind of just got, got even harder. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a very busy season. And I, I think that could well continue into the next admission season as well. So, you know, if you think that now is the right time to apply, I would go for it. I wouldn't second guess, you know, is it better to wait until um, you know, round one in 2021, because I, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure it'll be much better than either. So, um, you know, if now's the right time, then, then go for it. Um, but, you know, I'm encouraging candidates to spread their net a little bit wider than they might otherwise have done. Um, because, you know, there's just more uncertainty right now, um, given, given that context. So yes, it's going to be a very busy year. I mean, at, at the same time, you know, it's also a difficult time for students because um, a lot of programs are starting online or in a hybrid format. Um, some schools are able to go back in person. Um, you know, for example, at INSEAD, they're start, they've delayed the program start, but they're able to go back in person, which is great. But a lot of the schools in the U.S. are not in that position. Um, so, uh, so, so whilst there is definitely, you know, increased application volume, I think there's also uncertainty on behalf of students and, and applicants and candidates about, um, you know, the, the experience that they'll get and how that's going to pan out. So um, schools have also had challenges with, um, you know, while they've had a lot of applications, there's been more of an issue with what we call yield. So that's the percentage of, um, uh, of admits who actually accept the offer and then join the program um, because of, uh, you know, for international applicants, their inability to, to get to campus or, um, you know, programs being online and, and, and students not really wanting to, um, to start in that context. So uh, a difficult time for the schools, a lot of so much uncertainty to, to juggle. And, um, you know, it's very difficult for the schools to judge exactly how many, how many candidates to admit because they, you know, they, they track the historical data and assume that, for example, you know, 70% of the, the admits will, will finally turn up on campus given their, their track record. Well, 
who knows how that's going to play out over the next year, right? Like that percentage could be very different. So it's certainly um, a very demanding time for the school administration as, as well as candidates. Yeah. Thank you for sharing uh, your perspective in terms of what you're seeing. It sounds like it's going to be um, a busy uh, a busy season for you. So certainly appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your expertise, sure. Caroline. Um, if our listeners want to learn more, where can they find you? Where should they go? How should they connect with you? Sure. Um, so um, happy to connect um, with uh, on LinkedIn with anyone who's interested in, in um, you know, learning more about what we do and, and um, learning more about business school. Um, also come to our website, fortuneadmissions.com. Um, and we offer free consultations with people who are interested in discussing their MBA plans. So I would encourage anyone who's thinking about applying to business school. Um, we've got a fantastic team of um, coaches who, who um, offer those, who do those free consultations. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you'll get some great advice. So uh, I, would, I would certainly encourage anyone thinking about applying um, to, to sign up for, for, for that opportunity. Great. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the MBA Insider podcast and sharing some of your experience as well as your expertise. Really appreciate you uh, joining me today. Thank you so much, Al. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.